Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you uh, that we have your word to study this morning, and we pray as we look into it that you will speak to our hearts, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 2021, what are you going to do in 2021? Uh, many people come up with what they call uh, New Year's resolutions for uh, the new year. Uh, Perhaps uh, you have as well. I won't uh, pause to give everybody time to share what their New Year's resolutions are. Probably it uh, will be a desire to get back to life as uh, we've known it before 2020. I know I'm looking forward to, to uh, seeing uh, all of you in person, uh, being able to meet at a church. A church. <coughs> also looking forward to seeing uh, my uh, family, extended relatives, um, but uh, <clears throat> it's possible to have uh, a different kind of a New Year resolution that I was thinking about as I was preparing for this message. Uh, this thought was uh, stimulated by a daily devotional I read, so most of you have probably heard of uh, Our Daily Bread. That's not the one, but it's like Our Daily Bread in that every Day, it will have some uh, verse from the Bible and some uh, devotional thoughts associated with it. <clears throat> In uh, this particular one, uh, I, uh, an old, it says, an old saint was once asked, wouldn't you love to go to heaven right now? Wouldn't you love to go to heaven right now? Not just yet, was the reply. I am looking forward to it, but I'll be there forever. I just have a short time here, and the Lord has given me work to do. I'd like to finish that before I go. So if we were to ask this particular old saint the question, what is no, your New Year's resolution? It'd probably be something along the line, I'd like to do the work that the Lord has given to me to do. And having such an attitude would put this particular person very close-minded to the Lord Jesus himself. In Luke chapter 2, uh, near the end of the chapter, usually at this time of the year, we start at the beginning and we see... Uh, the Lord Jesus being born in a stable. But near the end of this chapter, Jesus is perhaps uh, 12 years old, and uh, his parents go up to the temple to uh, worship the Lord in the Passover feast. And when they go back home to Nazareth, they uh, leave Jesus behind. They find out uh, a day late that Jesus wasn't with the party traveling to Galilee, and uh, going back to Jerusalem, they find Jesus in the temple. And it says in verse 48, so when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business. In other words, he was doing the work 
that the father wanted him to do. Jesus likely have just gone through what uh, today would be called a bar mitzvah, which be a coming of age in, in Israel. And it's only after this coming of age that Jesus would be uh, allowed to participate in religious discussions. And uh, as soon as he reached that age, as soon as he went through his bar mitzvah, being 12 or maybe 13 years old, uh, Jesus uh, immediately gets engaged in the work of his father. Now, finally, he can start speaking to people about God, and they will take him seriously. And he took that opportunity. Later in John chapter 4, it says, Jesus says to the disciples, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Jesus was always about doing the will of the Father. Near the end of his ministry in John 17, he says, I have glorified you on the earth, speaking to his Father. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. So again, Jesus was always focused on the work that the Father has given him to do. Now, it's possible uh, that uh, we are a bit different from Jesus in that the work that we need to do isn't as clear to us as it is, was for Jesus, uh, maybe not even as clear as it was to the old saint quoted in the um, devotional that I read. But uh, what we want to think about today is the fact that there is work that we can only do now at this time while we are on earth. As the old saint said, I'm looking forward to being in heaven, but I will spend forever there. I only have a short time here to do the work that God wants me to do. Those things that we can do now that we will not be able to do in heaven, and we should look at those as opportunities it's a time of opportunity. Let 2021 be a year of opportunity, an opportunity to do the work of the Lord. So I thought I will go through uh, four types of works we can be engaged with here on earth. Opportunities we have now that we will not have for eternity. We have a short time to do these, these, these types of works, and perhaps 2021 will be a good opportunity to do some of this work. The first one is extending right from the verse we read in John chapter 4, right after Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. He continues in verse 35 of John chapter 4 and says, do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields but they are already white for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored and you have entered into their labors. Uh, Jesus was just uh, at that time involved in this harvest he is talking about, he uh, was witnessing to the woman by the well. He shared uh, God's good news that God sent Jesus to be uh, her Messiah, 
and to give her the living water, which is eternal life. And uh, the woman believed. She believed him. And, uh, and she went back to her town. And now she was bringing many others. And so when Jesus says, look at the fields, for they're already white for harvest, uh, perhaps he was pointing to these multitudes coming out of the town, ready to meet the Messiah. That was the harvest that was on Jesus's heart. And uh, he wanted to open their eyes to this opportunity. Uh, they were thinking they're still for months and then comes the harvest. Uh, we're often unaware of opportunities that God may have for us to uh, reach the lost. And Jesus wants our eyes to be open. I uh, try to call my grandmother uh, maybe a couple of times a month. She's 95. Uh, she's closed. She's closed to the gospel. Uh, she uh, doesn't believe uh, that there is a God. At least that's what she will say. But I'm always hopeful in my conversation with her that an opportunity will come up. And that's why I keep calling. Now, I don't call and every time hammer down, uh, you know, Grandma, there is a God and one day you will have to answer to him for your sins. Uh, if that's the way I approached it, she probably would stop receiving my calls. Uh, but I'm still praying and hoping uh, that there will be an opportunity during a conversation to, uh, to try to uh, make her aware of her spiritual need. Uh, in our last conversation, she mentioned that she says a Hebrew prayer uh, every day. And uh, I asked her, well, grandmother, why are you praying? Is, is God listening? And she immediately, you know, backpedaled and explained that uh, she doesn't believe in God. But uh, it was an opportunity uh, to try to connect uh, spiritually. Uh, last uh, week, my daughter shared her testimony and how I uh, went up uh, and spoke to her about her need to uh, ask the Lord Jesus to forgive her sins. And uh, she did. And she traces her salvation to that event. I didn't know uh, that, that she took what I said to heart. Right? I, I spoke to her because I, I spoke the truth and I felt it was a good opportunity to bring that up. But I didn't know. Uh, my daughter didn't share with me right afterward the impact it had on her. So we often don't know the impact of our words as we seek to uh, share with people. But, uh, but everything we say uh, about the Lord can be used by him. Uh, in Jews for Jesus, uh, uh, they are, they're a missionary organization. Uh, I served with them for one summer in New York City. Uh, they were trying to encourage us. They knew in, in our efforts to connect with people, we would pass them tracts. We would try to engage them in conversation. They knew that for every time a person shows an interest, we would have uh, many who will not show an interest. And even of those who will show an interest, many will not be ready to receive the Lord. They might listen to what we say. They may have some questions answered. But uh, it won't be obvious to us that we had uh, a saving impact on them. And so to encourage us, they said that uh, a person's uh, salvation can be described as uh, a chain that connects them to heaven. And that chain has many links in it. 
And uh, your interaction with that person is just one more link in that chain. The final piece of the chain would be the moment of decision when a person uh, chooses to receive Jesus as their savior. And you may not place that final piece of chain, but you might be placing some other chain, uh, some other link in the chain that will eventually uh, connect them uh, to heaven. Um, I had the blessing of doing that once while I was serving with Jews for Jesus. I was passing out literature and we were told, you know, pass, you know, five, ten uh, tracts and, uh, and then try to engage someone in a conversation. Don't just stand there passing tracts because uh, there's going to be more benefit if you could actually talk to someone about the Lord. And so I did. There was a person, I made eye contact with her as I passed her the tract. She was an elderly lady. And uh, I said, uh, can I ask you a question? And her answer to me was, how do you know that I'm Jewish? Now, I didn't know that she was Jewish, uh, but she was. Uh, what I didn't know either is that she was ready to receive the Lord at that time. Her husband uh, was a Catholic, and he died some years before, and she, she's come to believe um, really all the essential truth about, about the gospel, herself being a sinner, needing to be saved, needing to go to be with heaven. She believed Jesus was the way, and she just didn't know how to go about receiving him. And, and really, in her case, all I had to do was lead her in prayer. And she received the Lord. And, and she was full of joy, and I was full of joy. Like Jesus says in this passage, he says... Uh, uh, and he who receives wage, and he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. There is joy uh, in the presence of the angels. That's the joy of God when one sinner repents. And the sinner joins in that joy as they're united to God. And the person who's involved in working with that person rejoices because they were just used by God to bring that person. But it wasn't just me that rejoiced, uh, all the other people who have in some way or another contributed to this lady's uh, coming to know the Lord, all the people who connected all the other links before the link that I connected uh, rejoiced together. That's what Jesus uh, is saying here. Uh, both he who sows and he who reaps. I, I reaped that day, but there were many, many who sowed uh, before I did. He says the same thing in verse 38. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labors. Uh, there's a lot of work that's, that's done to prepare a soul to receive the Lord Jesus. And, uh, and uh, we might be involved in that work uh, and not see the end result until we are in heaven ourselves. And there we will rejoice together equally as the person who might have led the person in prayer. Uh, I had a Bible study in the Axe House for many years, and we've seen several people come to know the Lord, uh, partly through that ministry. Uh, Michael Long is one, uh, Andy Goodwin, Morio Murase, uh, and I think maybe a couple of others. And... Uh, what you don't know is that uh, one of the things we looked forward to in every Bible study 
uh, which went on for years, was uh, banana bread. Uh, Mrs. Tucker, some of you, maybe most of you would remember her. Every Sunday, uh, she would give me two warm loaves of banana bread, which uh, Monday evening, right after a Bible study, we would open up and cut and distribute. And uh, that was, I believe, a significant encouragement to those of us who were part of the work at this Bible study, you know, our starving college students, you know, that banana bread looked quite good. Uh, so here is work. Uh, perhaps you wouldn't have thought of it as a, a spiritual work, but it was. Her contributing her banana bread uh, every week for many years, uh, I believe, was a great encouragement for that work. And she will rejoice uh, with all the fruit that comes out of that Bible study. And so in 2021, as you consider being involved in this particular work, the work of um, leading people to Christ, of harvesting uh, unsaved people. Uh, just recognize there's many, many levels in that work. You could be a person uh, sharing the gospel with someone, or you could be a person inviting them to, to church or a Bible study, or doing something that is possible. I think of our brother Luke here faithfully week after week. Most of us only have to speak once a, a month, but he's here every week having to man the system, connect us using Zoom, uh, record the messages, and uh, the blessing that might come through the messages uh, and the other meetings we're having, uh, he's, he's part of that work. Uh, and, and, and there's many others behind the scene at Calvary who are crucial uh, to this ministry. And so the rewards Jesus is speaking of here uh, uh, for all those who are part of this this work, this labor. The second one that I think about is that of uh, spiritual encouragement. Uh, for many years, I was the only one in my family, at least the family that I knew, who was a believer in the Lord Jesus. Uh, but a year ago, I received the glad tidings that my uncle, uh, Mike, in Canada made a profession. Uh, he called me and he told me that um, a neighbor brought over a a, a pastor of a local church, and they sat together and they talked together, and my uncle uh, received the Lord Jesus as his Savior. And I, I was very happy. Uh, he seemed to be growing. He was, uh, you know, l looking with interest at the Bible. And uh, I was very excited. And then I learned, uh, maybe a month ago or two months ago, that he stopped going to church. And uh, he, he had a falling out with the pastor and uh, didn't want to see him or talk to him. And uh, I was very concerned uh, for the well-being of his soul. And I shared with him uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 says, And let us consider one another in order to stir up love <coughs> and good works not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So here we have in the Word of God an encouragement to participate in the meetings of the church uh, as a, a means of encouraging one another. Uh, so I am perhaps today encouraging you in your walk in Christ to serve the Lord. Uh, 
And next week, it, it will be somebody else who will stand here and, 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 and give you encouragement. Uh, during the prayer meetings, we, we encourage one another as we share our burdens with each other and we pray for each other. During the worship meeting we just had this morning, uh, we encourage each other as we thought about the Lord uh, in his humility and what it is uh, that he has done for us. So the meetings of the church are very important for our spiritual growth and continuation of walking uh, with the Lord. And, uh, and so I was very concerned for my uncle when uh, I heard that uh, he stopped going to church. And, and I shared that with him. Now, he wasn't very receptive in this particular uh, incident. Uh, I shared with him. I'll, I'll try to finish the story when I share the next point. But um, this is one of the opportunities we have as believers. We can encourage one another, uh, whether in the meetings of the church or, or personally. Uh, come alongside and encourage them. James uh, chapter 5 tries to encourage us in the same. He says, Brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. Uh, James wants us to know it is possible, right? A person is only saved once, Thank you. But, uh, but we are we're in a war zone. We have spiritual enemies, and their goal is to discourage us, to cause us to stumble in our faith, uh, to cause us to not take advantage of these opportunities of serving the Lord and bringing him uh, glory. And, and so it's no wonder that believers stumble and... Uh, and fall, and we as fellow believers can come alongside and encourage them. Galatians 6 says, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. I'm, I'm also susceptible. I can fall. I can be discouraged. Uh, I, can, I may require someone to encourage me and to restore uh, me. And... Uh, but these are precious opportunities uh, we have during this time uh, on earth. In heaven, there will be no discouraged believers. So you will not have an opportunity to encourage another believer uh, in heaven. It's only here that you can change a person's direction. A believer, genuinely saved, but have, has been put on the shelf because of their spiritual discouragement, you can come alongside that believer and help them once again walk on that path of blessing for themselves and for others, and again, bringing glory to God. I should add that this encouragement isn't just by words, so certainly you can come alongside with someone and remind them of God's truth uh, in his word. You can also come alongside in a ministry. Hebrews 6 says, For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown toward his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do uh, minister. Often I receive spiritual encouragement by practical work. Um, I think I mentioned already once, but uh, last summer I was devoid of my family for a couple of weeks, and a couple of the saints took it upon themselves to bring me meals during that time, 
And, and that, while a practical ministry, was also spiritually encouraging to me, uh, made me sense the family. I still had the family of the Lord around me. I was uh, part of, of God's family, and I wasn't, was not left uh, destitute. The truth is, I wasn't going to starve, but I, I certainly still appreciated those meal very, meals very much. Okay, I promised you four uh, opportunities, special opportunities for 2021. Uh, here's another one, number three, is we can serve God through prayer. So this is not going to the unsaved and speaking to them. It's not going to the saved and encouraging them. It's going directly uh, to God in prayer. Paul says this first in Romans 1, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers. Nothing happens of spiritual value without prayer. And Paul knew that very well. As he was serving God by uh, preaching to the unsaved, by encouraging the saints, and he did plenty of both, uh, he was also always unceasing uh, to God in prayer for them. And I believe that's what made Paul such an effective tool of God. In fact, it's hard to find a person in history who had more impact on the kingdom of God other than the Lord Jesus, of course, than the Apostle Paul. And uh, we find here the secret of the Apostle Paul was his continuing in prayer. We can also pray. Uh, shortly before I was saved, I had a strange dream. And uh, in that dream, it seemed like I was kind of floating in a corner of the room. Uh, and there was a group of people who were, uh, seemed like they were kind of convening or speaking to each other. And there was, again, this was a dream, so a vivid one. It seemed like there was a spirit in the room that was listening to these men or women and what they were saying. And I didn't know what to make of that until I was saved uh, weeks or maybe months later. And I realized, you know, I bet that was a prayer meeting. And people were praying for me. And indeed, Sharon, whom I... Uh, knew at the time, uh, shared uh, with people at Calvary about me, the fact she had a Jewish friend, and people were already praying for me. And I believe that that was uh, an essential part of my salvation. I will not, would not have been saved if it wasn't for people at Calvary uh, praying for me before I was saved. And uh, I mentioned my uncle in the previous point. I, I did point out to him what the Bible says about the fact that he should be uh, gathering together with the saints in the meetings of the church for his spiritual uh, well-being. And he didn't take that from me. He, you know, he, he just wasn't willing to submit to the truth of the scripture. Uh, but we didn't give up. I asked the saints to pray for him. I prayed for him. Uh, my wife, Sharon, I heard her pray for him uh, many times. And uh, he called us uh, earlier this week to wish us Merry, a Merry Christmas, and he has reconciled to the pastor. And now he's back uh, in the fellowship 
of, of the saints in, uh, in, uh, in Canada where he, he lives. So praise God, uh, he, he, there was a, an answer to prayer. An answer to prayer. If we want to see God saving the unsaved and restoring the saved back to a walk of, a walk of fellowship with him, uh, it, it should be through prayer. We have to engage God. An opportunity, it's an opportunity we have at this time. Now, could we pray in heaven? Perhaps, perhaps. Uh, in a sense, prayer is simply speaking to God. But uh, I don't think we can be engaged at the same level uh, as we can now. Uh, perhaps uh, a proof verse of that would be Luke 18. There's a parable the Lord shares. It says, then he spoke a parable to them that men ought always to pray and not lose heart. So Jesus wanted them. Now I'm going to skip the parable. At the very end of it, Jesus says, nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? This is the only time we can pray to God in faith. In heaven, we won't need faith because we will see God face to face. And God is interested in us engaging with him in prayer at this time. And so this is a limited time opportunity to pray to God by faith, to be engaged in these spiritual battles that are happening here on the earth by faith through prayer. And so that is a limited time opportunity. Uh, last, uh, we have an opportunity uh, for financial Investment. I, I think I keep talking about uh, Tesla because of you know the stock taking through the roof last year. Uh, I don't know how many folds it increased, but I seem to remember a number like sevenfold. So if you invested a dollar, which probably you couldn't, I think the you know, a single stock is like a hundred dollars or something, uh, it would have increased by a factor of seven. So that would seem like a good investment. The problem is. One day, uh, stock in Tesla will be worth zero dollars, right? Uh, when the Lord returns, it will not be worth anything, right? Or when you die, it's not going to be worth anything. Oh, it's possible the company will collapse. <laughs> it's not going to be worth anything, right? So as good as an investment in Tesla would have seemed in 2020, it's not a good investment uh, in eternity. Right? But Jesus gave us what is the best financial investment we can make. In Luke 16, 9, he says, And I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. What uh, Jesus is saying that use your financial uh, resources to invest in the kingdom of God, in the unsaved, becoming saved, or in perhaps the saved and straying being restored uh, into a place of fellowship with God. Now, we can't buy people, right? We can't say, okay, here's $100, now receive Jesus as your savior. It doesn't work like that. But those missionaries on the street or in other countries that could not continue their work without financial support. When I was with Jews for Jesus in New York, we had a pretty tight schedule. We would get up at like six in the morning uh, and, and hit the street 
We would pass our tracts, try to talk to people. This was part of the rush hour, uh, mostly people uh, going into, down to the subway or, or on busy streets. Uh, then we would go and have breakfast, a very nice breakfast. They did feed us very well. Um, and then we would go hit the streets again. And then we would come back and have lunch. And then after lunch, we would have a two-hour break. But during that two-hour break, we had to write four postcards uh, to people who have financially supported Jews for Jesus. So they literally had boxes with thousands, if not tens of thousands, of, of cards of a person's address and how much money they gave to Jews for Jesus. And I would take that and I would write the person's name and address and you know, thank them for their contribution to Jews for Jesus uh, because they gave and because our ministry was only possible uh, through their giving. Calvary Bible Chapel, we've never asked for money and I'm not gonna do it now. But uh, we wouldn't be here without people's financial giving, right? I mean, this building costs money. The electricity we're using costs money. The Zoom account we're using for the Zoom meeting you know, costs money. We're not asking you to give for any of these reasons, but we recognize that through people's decision to financially give, we're able to participate in spiritual work. And the result of it is, as Jesus is saying, you are making friends for yourself with unrighteous mammon. There will be people in heaven who will say, you know what, I would not have been saved without your financial contribution uh, to so-and-so. Or, you know, I would not have been restored to fellowship with the Lord without your financial contribution to so-and-so. Right? So there's, there's a real impact of our financial giving, and that is an eternal investment. That is a stock that will not lose its value. Uh, that you could purchase in 2021. Okay. Uh, I was thinking if I could close with uh, this poem written by uh, Siti Stad. Siti Stad wanted to do the same thing. He was a missionary uh, to China, if I remember correctly, and then to Africa. And, uh, and he wanted to uh, encourage us to think of, of the limited time we have here on earth and uh, invest our time in a way that will reap uh, eternal, eternal reward. So without further ado, let me read uh, this poem. Only One Life by C.T. Studd. Two little lines I heard one day traveling along life's busy way, bringing conviction to my heart and for my mind would not depart. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, yes, only one, soon will its fleeting hours be done. Then in that day, my Lord to meet and stand before his judgment seat. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, the still small voice gently pleads for a better choice, bidding me selfish aims to leave and to God's holy will to cleave. Only one life will soon be passed. 
Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, a few brief years, each with its burdens, hopes, and fears, each with its clays, I must fulfill living for self or in his will. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. When this bright world would tempt me so, when Satan would a victory score, when self would seek to have its way, then help me, Lord, with joy to say, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Give me a father, a purpose deep, in joy or sorrow, thy word to keep. Faithful and true, whate'er the strife, pleasing thee in my daily life. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Oh, let my love with fervor burn, and from the world now let me turn, living for thee and thee alone, bringing thee pleasure on thy throne. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, yes, only one. Now let me say, thy will be done. And when at last I hear the call, I know I'll say, was worth it all. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity we have to live for you on earth. You have given us work to do. <clears throat> we confess in this world there are many distraction things that claim our attention, and yet only what's done for Christ will last will have eternal value and so we ask that you help us stay focused on him and the work you have for us to do in 2021 for we ask it in jesus name amen <clears throat>